the school is out. Which means it's time for Hot Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hot Kids Show. I'm Brian Wayner and I'm 12 years old. Thank you for tuning to the Hot Kids Show. This is Hot Kids for Kids by Kids. So, coming up on Hot Kids today, I'm going to be speaking to Tally Gritzman. She is a speech and hearing therapist. So just stay tuned to 101.9 Hot FM and we'll find out more about speech and hearing therapy. So get ready for a very interesting show on Hot Kids today. You're listening to Hot Kids on 101.9 Hot FM. This is Hot Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Brown Owena and I'm 12 years old. Good afternoon, Tally. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank God. Okay, so let's start with the questions, okay? So What is speech and hearing therapy? So speech and hearing therapy uh, until now in South Africa has been a dual qualification and the main idea of this profession is to help people who experience communication difficulties. That can be because they have difficulties in their speech, so the way they talk, their language, the way they understand or they express themselves can also be in their reading and writing. So especially in, with children who are at school, that can be their literacy skills. And there can also be people who struggle with their feeding or their swallowing. And because we use the same muscles for speech and swallowing. And it can also be a difficulty with hearing because you have some problem in your ear or your inner ear. And all of this can result in a communication difficulty, which makes it hard for you to be able to interact with people. And our job is to come in and help these people with their communication from whatever the area is that they're suffering from. That sounds like a really great job, helping people that really nice. So you said speech and language. What's the difference between them? That's a very good question, Brianna, and a lot of people ask that because they get the two confused. So speech is actually the way we're talking, and we use different mechanisms for speech. We use breathing, we use our voice, we have fluency, so that means how smooth we talk, and, you know, the way we pronounce sounds, which we call articulation. So that is speech, and all of that has to work together in order to have good clarity and intelligibility. Language refers to what we use to express ourselves, and this is the words we use, our vocabulary, how we put sentences together, and the meaning behind it. So there's quite a difference, and you can have impairments in either, you can have impairments in both, but we need, in order to communicate with people, you have to have good speech and you have to have good language. Okay. What do you need to study in order to become, to do speech and hearing therapy? Do you mean at school or at university? University. University. Okay, so there are set subjects that they make you take. And through the degree, it's a four-year degree, that you have to always take the, the speech subjects. So that's speech, that's audio, and those you take throughout the four years. However, in your first two years, you take a subject called linguistics, which is all about the sounds of language and how you produce them and where they're produced. Um, in first year, you take sign language. You also take psychology for three years, so we get an undergraduate in psychology. And we also take anatomy through the four years of the degree as well. And when I say we take speech and audio, we do it in theory, so we actually have lectures. And we also take it as a clinical subject. So from second year, you're given patients or clients that you then have to prepare sessions for and you you begin treating. So there's a clinical aspect and then there's a theoretical aspect of the degree. Oh, wow, that's a lot of things to learn. A lot of things and it's a lot of work. But once you're done, you got the job, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
When did you know that you wanted to do speech and hearing therapy? Um, I can't exactly think of an exact time where I knew I wanted to be a, a speech and hearing therapist, but I always knew that I wanted to work with people. Um, I come from a medical family, and I loved working with people, and I always, throughout high school, was involved in different outreach projects. So I knew I had to work with people. That was my calling. Um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to be in, um, and I found myself after school. I took a gap year. I'd worked in a few... I was in Israel, and I'd worked in a few organizations where I'd had the opportunity to be exposed to different speech and language therapists. And um, I found when I came back that that's what I enrolled in, and um, that's how I landed up in the degree. Wow. So like you said, you love working with people. So what personality traits are good to have if you want to do speech and hearing? I think if you want to work in any allied medical health profession, such as speech and hearing or physiotherapy or occupational therapy, as these form the allied health profession, you definitely have to, you don't need to be an introvert or an extrovert. You just have to have a love for working with people. You've got to want to work with people, be open to communication. You have to have a lot of patience and because sometimes you can have very challenging cases and um, especially when people have suffered an impairment, it can take them a long time to get better and you have to be, you have to have the patience to work through that. Um, and I think you've just got to love working with people and being with people and being open and I think that's what drew me to it. Wow. Well, you definitely sound like you have all those personality traits. Thank you. That's very kind. So... How is speech and hearing different to audio, audiology? It's also a very good question. I'm going to give you a little bit of background as to up until now in South Africa, especially at the University of Witts, is that it has been a dual degree, and I studied both. However, the current third-year students at Witts are the last year to be a dual degree, and from now on, if you want to study speech and hearing, um, you have to choose from second year if you're going to be a speech therapist or if you're going to be an audiologist. However, both do deal with communication difficulties, but from different aspects. So from a speech therapy point of view, we deal with the speech, as I mentioned earlier. So if you're having trouble producing speech because of either poor articulation or you don't have a good voice or you're stuttering, so you're disfluent um, and you're not getting good clarity and intelligibility, so people aren't understanding you. Or you have a language difficulty, so you might be a toddler that's just delayed and didn't develop your language and therefore you're not communicating. You may be an adult who suffered a head injury or a stroke, so any form of neurological impairment. And there's different areas of the brain that are responsible for language and therefore you have a communication difficulty because that area in the brain has now been affected. Whereas audiology also deals with communication difficulty but from the hearing point of view. So therefore you have a difficulty in communication because you're not hearing people either because, you know, you have a middle ear problem. So either, you know, you have a fluid in your ear or an infection um, or you could have a problem with the nerve which is therefore causing some sort of hearing loss and that is why you're not hearing so both deal communication difficulties but from different aspects wow you know your stuff really well <laughs> i should hope so you really do can someone just study like speech therapy or does it have to go with hearing so um, like i mentioned now in south africa you can choose which one you want to do and um, this is one of the last universities that has it as a dual degree every other university 
is separate. You either choose audiology or you choose speech therapy. And everywhere else in the world, I think Israel, if I'm mistaken, actually also does it as a dual degree. I'm not 100% sure about that. But everywhere else in the world, you are either a speech therapist or you're an audiologist. The two are not together. Um, I do find, though, I think when you have done the two together, it does give you a nice background. So especially often if I get, you know, children who are delayed, especially in the early years, which we call early intervention, so anyone who's between the ages of zero and three and they're not talking or they haven't developed any speech or language, I always say to the parents, my first question is, have they had a hearing test? And often the question is no. So before I even worry about the speech and why it hasn't developed, I send for a hearing test because it's possible they have a hearing problem and that is why they're not hearing the sounds and therefore they cannot develop speech or language. So it's quite good to have an understanding of the two, and um, but I do think ultimately you do land up becoming one. Okay. Do you need to specialise if you choose to work with children or adults? Um, that's also a wonderful question. Um, I'm a bit of a different case because I work with both. Most people do choose to work either in adults or children. Some people have a preference. Um, my training has actually been largely in adults. I used to work in a private rehab hospital where I mainly worked with adults, but there was also a pediatric unit which I worked in. Um, and now I'm in private practice and I see both. Um, however, most people prefer working with children. You do have the few like me who like working with the adults. I enjoy the variety of working with both, but you can choose to specialize or you can choose to work in all fields. And, um, you know, there's no hard and fast rule. Yeah. How, so how is it different if you would work like with an adult or with a child? So, you know, the principles are the same. So, you know, with children, generally they're coming to you um, because of two reasons. One, either they just have a speech development problem, so they haven't developed their sounds properly, so we call that an articulation problem, and you need to help them with that. Or they have a language delay, so they're just not producing age-appropriate language. Um, or their reading or writing is difficult and therefore they're suffering at school. So that's kind of when we come in and to help. But we also have children, unfortunately, suffer from a more significant syndrome such as Down syndrome or autism or cerebral palsy, which they're either born with or have acquired depending on what the diagnosis is. And they need, they can be more severe cases and that's just to help them to communicate, sometimes to feed. Depending, So with children, those are generally the reason they come to you, and you'll use a lot of toys and a lot of play. Adults generally come to you because they've had some sort of injury to the brain, and we call that a neurological impairment, and that can be from what we call a stroke. So they had an area of the brain that was affected or a head injury, either from a car accident or maybe you know something fell on their head, which is possible. And um, can also affect their speech or their language or what we call cognitive communication. So the way their brain works, so their memory and their thinking and their planning. So can have very different things that you're working on with children and adults, and you'll use different things. And um, obviously, with adults, you're not going to play little games. Mm-hmm. Whereas with children, you are going to do that. Yeah, it sounds fun. It is There's a fun. lot of things that can cause it, but it's very sounds like a very fun job. Most of the time, it's very fun. Yeah. Like, if I ever had to do it, I would like to work with children playing with them. Fun. Well, now I'm a child, so I like whatever. (laughs) Can you give us um, some advice for how people can improve their language at home? 
So for language, there's lots of ways you can improve your language. Um, as a parent, for your children, you always need to model good language. So you need to speak in full sentences. You need to use lots of different words. Um, you need to describe things to your children. And if you're a child and you want to improve your language, you need to not respond in single words or short phrases. You must use full sentences. You must use adjectives. And so there's lots of ways you can improve your language. And if you're an older child or even if you're a younger child, reading is a fantastic way to expand your vocabulary, to learn new concepts, to learn new things. So those are just some simple ways within your routines at home that you can start incorporating and building on your language. Wow. Simple but helps a lot. So let's take a quick sound break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Kha Kids, 4 Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Brian Awena and I'm 12 years old. So let's carry on with the questions. Okay. How can a child be more, made more comfortable in a classroom if they have any challenges with speech or hearing? We get this question a lot as therapists because often when we're dealing with children and they come for therapy, we often want to achieve carryover and we need to involve the teachers and the schools and we need to incorporate the classroom. So if it's a child that's suffering from a hearing loss and and they need more assistance with hearing, there's something called an FM system, which the teacher can wear and it's kind of basically like a microphone. So if the child wears a hearing aid, that goes directly to their ears and they're able to help better. So that's if you have a hearing problem or maybe a pro processing difficulty where you're not able to process information that's of the auditory nature. If you're a child who's just generally struggling with auditory processing, so when there's lots of noise in the class and you're not able to follow instructions, um, we ask the teachers to be very mindful of when you're giving instructions to make sure that it's quiet, that there's not a lot of background noise. You know, in a classroom, you're always scraping chairs and you've looking for things in your stationary box and then all that noise, especially if you're someone who's struggling with processing, makes it even harder to follow an instruction. And especially when an instruction increases in length and complexity, it's very difficult for a child to follow. So we always ask the teacher to go slowly to make sure that your back is not to the class. So when you're giving um an instruction to children, make sure you foc- you're focusing with them, that you're able to communicate with them looking at them so they can not just look at your um, eyes, they can also look at your mouth and watch what you're saying. And we all lip read. We don't even realize we do it, but we do do it. And um, it just gives a better form of communication. When your mouth is turned away, it becomes a bit more muffled. We also ask, just give repetition. Sometimes children just can't hear things. So these are just a few strategies to help children with communication in the classroom, especially with processing of information. Wow. Can you describe some of the equipment you use? Sure, and um, it varies a lot depending on when I'm working with children or adults. And um, with my littlies, which I call the zero to three population, which is early intervention, it's normally you know dolls and blocks and toys and cars or anything that's you know meaningful to them that they play with. We are trying to use play as a way of teaching them speech and language skills. And with my older kids, we use a lot of games, especially games as reinforcers. So if we're trying to get them to produce a certain sound or I'm trying to work on how they answer questions or build adjectives, we'll always use a game to play to make it more interesting. Sometimes I'll use a game actually to target what I'm targeting. So if I'm working on adjectives, maybe I'll use an adjective game, but sometimes I'll just use it as a reinforcer. So in between, so they take a turn and then I'll work on what I'm trying to target. And adults, it's a lot of worksheets and 
or we can do a lot of talking, you know, debates. It depends on what the impairment is. And um, if you've got a child who has very weak oral musculature, so that is your lips, your tongue, your cheeks, we need to use all of those in order to produce speech. And sometimes children have very weak muscles. And so we need to use sometimes whistles or bubbles or we'll use, you know, OTs and try to get them to use their tongue to lift it up, tongue depressors to try to strengthen those muscles. And, and if it's someone who's having problems with feeding or swallowing, depending if it's a child or adult, we'll use different foods, we'll use different techniques, and um, something called vital stim train. So that's when we use sort of electrodes and to target the muscles for swallowing. And that's also how we sometimes get people to eat if they're struggling with swallowing. And so it really is dependent on the age of the child or what the impairment is, but you can almost use anything. Wow. So... Like you said, for OT, you use OT. So do you work with those kind of things like physio and OT? Yes, and that's what we call a multidisciplinary team, and it's really wonderful if you can work within that. So when we, especially looking at a child or an adult, we like to look at them holistically. So we like to look at them not just in the box of your profession, but look at them from all aspects. So if a child comes to you, don't just look at them from speech and language or just look at their muscles for speech. Maybe that child isn't sitting well, so you've got to make sure you're positioning them well. You've got to look at their motor development. And sometimes we do joint sessions. And when I used to work at the hospital, we worked often together. And it's really beneficial to the child or the patient, whoever you're working with, if you work as a team and you all help, we call it role reversal. So you can take on a skill that the physios taught you and bring it into your session. And, you know, sometimes if you want the person to work on their breathing for speech in a physio session, you say, please, can you target this as well? And it helps with carryover. So it's really great if you can work within a team and um, just be open to helping each other. Wow. So, um, like, when somebody comes to you, is it like a once-off thing, they come and they're done, or do they have to go a week after, like, more than one time? So generally with therapy, it is a long process, depending, again, what your impairment is. Most of the time, how it works is you come to us, we do an assessment, and once we've assessed you, then we can say what our findings are, what we've found, what we think you struggle with, and then we make recommendations for therapy. And especially if a child has a speech difficulty or a language difficulty, that can take a while to fix depending on the child. Some children will grasp something quicker. Some need longer-term therapy. And if you're a child who has, you know, a syndrome, especially autism or Down syndrome, and you're going to normally be in therapy for longer. Um, And the same with an adult. You know, sometimes you'll have an adult who's had suffered some sort of neurological impairment um, and you need to get them walking again or eating again, and that can take time. Sometimes I'll get a referral from the ENT, so the ear, nose, and throat surgeon, and someone will be having a problem with their voice, and that can sometimes be a shorter therapy. So it's very dependent, but most of the time it's not once off and can take a couple of sessions, which can be weeks, months. Some people can be years. Cool. So what part of your job do you enjoy the most? I think the part I enjoy the most is working with people. I really do enjoy working with people. And um, I get a lot of joy of when we're working on something with someone that they're struggling with and they manage to get it. And it's 
and you see them progress and you see them improve. And I think that's probably the best part of my job. And that's why I do what I do. And um, just for those moments when you've been working on something that the person has been struggling with, whether that is a sound they can't say or that it's a child who can't even string a sentence together and they start using phrases or someone who can't eat or even swallow their own saliva and then they are managing, to, they leave you and they can eat a full meal. So I think that brings me a lot of joy and you feel like you've done something to help somebody else laugh and um, I enjoy that. I would also get a lot of joy from that. It's fun, like seeing somebody do what they they haven't been able to do. Yeah, it's wonderful to help people. I think yeah. that gives me a lot of um, happiness. Yeah. So what is the most challenging part about your job? Oh, ah, there's so many aspects. Um, you know, it's not all just rainbows and butterflies. It can be very hard. Um, it can be very emotionally draining. Sometimes you can get very challenging cases and very sad cases. I've, unfortunately, in my time, in my career, I've had some really difficult sad cases, and they stick in your mind. And, um, you know, people who've suffered really hard events and just don't progress well or, you know, can change their whole lives or... Know, children who are severely disabled and um, will never talk or will never eat or and it's it's very hard to watch the families go through that and your job is to counsel them and provide them with as much help as possible and try ease their quality of life as much as you can and but that can be very challenging and it's a lot of preparation too it's a lot of um, preparing the materials and and that can be very time consuming and tiring at times and but it's very rewarding wow so do you always like help people or do sometimes you you can't you like not able to help do you mean to help people improve sometimes do i see yeah. improvement not always unfortunately you know we don't have a magic wand that we can wave and you know make it all better which we we could and I think most people do progress, you know, whether they come to you in the beginning, when they leave you, they have improved somewhat. I do think therapy does improve people because you are stimulating them, you are working, the brain is very malleable and it can always improve, especially the younger you are. So that stimulation and that one-on-one interaction definitely helps people, um, but it, Sometimes, unfortunately, people are very severe and you don't see improvement or sometimes the improvement is there, but it's slow. So um, that can sometimes frustrate the patient and the patient's family. And, but that's why I say you have to have patience because it does take time. Yeah, and also like most jobs have like a really nice part to it, but also a difficult part. Definitely. I think that's the reality of life and everything is easy and hard. Yeah. So what did you want to be when you were younger? When I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor, and my dad was a doctor, and I definitely always had an interest in the medical field, and I didn't land up going down that road, and I think I was you know, supposed to land up being a speech therapist, and that's where I found myself, but I think I always just knew that I wanted to be in some sort of medical field, I definitely wanted to be helping people, and um, I love learning anatomy, even now I think when I, I get a bit of a rush when I see something with the brain or I read up on something, I don't always understand it because sometimes it can be very complicated mm-hmm. and, and I'm still consolidating information every time I learn something new, whether it's with the voice box or the brain or the muscles we use to speak, um, but I find it very interesting and I enjoy learning about it. It's good that you love what you do your job otherwise that wouldn't be really good exactly yeah so do you have any hobbies i do have hobbies and i don't know how consistent i am with them but (laughs) um, i enjoy running i'm not so great in winter with it (laughs) and i like reading and 
and I enjoy dancing. But yeah, those are probably my main hobbies that I do. They sound fun. They are fun when I get to them. Yeah. Who are your role models? Oh, my role models. When I was younger, I think I always had a set answer for this. I always felt I was supposed to answer Oprah or something. But now, um, you know, I really do feel I'd like to give my parents a lot of, um, I've got to give them a lot of recognition. I think they really showed me how to behave as a person and they gave me a great example of how to behave and how to work. And, um, you know, as cliche as it may be, I really think they are my role models and they've exuded the qualities that I would like to have and um, I think I owe that to them. Yeah, my parents are also my role models. Where do you work? So I now work in private practice. I have my own practice. It's called Talk to Me Speech Therapy. I'm based at a multidisciplinary centre in Edenville, which is called Centipedes. And I see a majority of my patients there. I'm also based at um, Eden College in Lyndhurst um, one morning a week. And then I, for my hospital patients, I normally go into Linksville, depending when I'm referred by the doctors. And then for my adult patients, so they normally all have, some, have suffered some sort of neurological impairment, so it's quite hard for them to get in and around the house. I go to them and do a home visit. Um, so it's quite um, a wide variety, but it definitely keeps it interesting. Wow. You sound like it's very busy. You sound very, very busy. busy, and I'm very tired, but it's good. I think it's yeah. way better than the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> How can someone contact you for more information? So there's a few ways to contact me. Um, I have a Facebook page called Talk to Me Speech Therapy. I have a website, which is also um, www.talktomespeechtherapy.com. Um, my email address is talia at talktomespeechtherapy.co.za. And um, all my details are on there, my cell phone number. So if anyone has any questions, they're welcome to pop me an email or a message. Yeah. Yeah, so if anybody needs anything, just go and you can get help. Just give me a shout. Yeah. This has been Ha Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Brown Oena and I'm 12 years old. Thank you to my guest, Tali Gritzman, for coming on Ha Kids. And thank you to my producer, Manny, and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Join us on Monday for another Ha Kids show, only on 101.9 Ha FM. Shabbat shalom and goodbye, kids.